You know, there's not a parent in here who can choose um, for our kids that they will love God or make them love God. Uh, all we can do is put them in a position like these little kids did. Man, I just started crying watching them carry these things to the cross. Uh, all we can do is help our kids understand who Jesus is, put them, in, put them in a position to know how to worship God, to know what the cross means, and then all of them are going to choose their own way. That's the reality of it. Uh, if Adam and Eve can be put in a perfect environment where they live with God every day and they can choose not to follow him, then certainly our kids in our homes can choose not to follow God. And it doesn't always reflect on the parents. But for those of you who are, who are putting your kids around Jesus so that they know, so that one day when they decide how they're going to live their life, they've, they've got a tank filled with who Jesus is, um, good job, keep it up. I am, I am grateful as a parent to partner with parents like you trying to help our kids know who Jesus is uh, and to love him. You know, Danielle and I, a few weeks ago, uh, were having a, a, a spirited discussion uh, and you might note that uh, phrase, spirited discussion, because she said, Christian, you're not allowed to tell the church when we fight anymore. So we weren't fighting. Uh, we were having a spirited discussion just on the busyness of this time of our year. I've had several people the last six weeks say, hey, man, how are things going? Uh, and the answer is always busy. Uh, Easter to Mother's Day in the life of a church is, is just the busiest time that there is. There's so many church things going on. Spring has started, baseball has started, softball has started, cheerleading and dance are in full swing, soccer is going on. Um, there's just, there's a lot going on. So to get to Mother's Day is kind of a breath of fresh air for us. The baby dedications are, have come and are past the praying for the, the high school seniors before they go to college and the college seniors who have graduated before they go off into the real world. I mean, there's just a lot going on. And Danielle and I were, were just having a discussion about church stuff, life stuff, trying to keep up. And she made this comment to me as, as we are just trying to keep our heads above water between Easter and Mother's Day every year. Um, she said, you know, Christian, because I was asking her about some church stuff. Uh, she does a lot of stuff here at the church. And I was saying, is that done? Is that done? Is that done? Um, and she said, you know, not everything is done. Not everything is on time. And she said, I don't think you have a clue um, how much time I have to spend being a mom uh, and a wife. I don't think you know what it takes to do what I do outside of the church just to live life with you and the kids. And I thought, you know what, that's, that's probably right. Um, and more than that, I, I thought it was interesting. This week I picked up an article, Morgan Stanley, uh, who's a big financial institution, um, put out an article this week just titled, What If Mom Got Paid to Be Mom? And they listed what a, what a mom, they listed what a mom should make if a mom were employed as a mom rather than just being a mom. They listed the normal, hourly, national average wage for things that moms do. Um, things like, and there's a whole list here, but I'll, I'll read you some of the, uh, some of the biggest. Professional child care, um, $9.58 an hour, 40 hours a week, $20,000 just being a professional child care. Helping with homework. How much does a tutor get paid to help kids with homework? Um, 18 hours and 48 cents a day, uh, 73.90 a year, 7,390. Um, nursing wounds, home repairs, cleaning up, planning parties, summer activity planners, um, therapy for children, uh, a normal hourly wage of $62.52. They make 15 grand a year just in uh, therapy. Only four hours a week is all that it lists here. Um, shopping for the family. Um, Yard work, fixing up the house, um, finding out what the kids are up to. Here's how much you'd have to pay a private investigator to spy on your kids like you spy on them. Um, $21.73 per hour. And they say moms only are going to do this two, two hours a week, um, spy on their children. 
um, driving, if you, had to, if you had to pay a car service to take your kids where you needed them to go, $13.83. Uh, cooking meals, um, and they didn't even include very many meals a week, $6,000. They said a mother, it cost, if you were to hire someone to mother your children and be your wife, $76,318 a year is what it cost to be mom. So mothers, thank you today. Mothers and grandmothers, happy Mother's Day. Um, I know you do not get appreciated for what you do. And sometimes you probably think, like Danielle and I conversed about a few weeks ago, does anyone see, does anyone care, will anyone ever know? And as I thought about teaching through the Bible on Mother's Day and uh, trying to figure out, you know, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to minister to mothers? Um, I thought of a mother who, who felt like Danielle was feeling a couple weeks ago. Um, no one sees, no one cares. Uh, man, does God even know what I do? And I found a mother in Genesis chapter 16. If you have your Bible, that's where we're going to be today in our Bible study time, Genesis chapter 16. If you don't have your Bible, our ushers are going to come down the aisle. They'll have a few Bibles. If you want one, just wave at them. They'll give it to you. If you forgot yours, just use it. We're going to read almost the entire chapter today, so it might be good to have one in your lap, or you can turn on your iPod or your iPad or your tablet, whatever you follow along with. But in Genesis chapter 16, we meet a mother who feels very alone. We meet a mother who's wondering if, uh, if God is there, if God cares, um, and we meet, a, we meet a mother who's in desperate need of God to intervene in her life, in the lives of the people around her, uh, and just, just to help. We meet a mom who's having a bad day. Now, I know there are probably not very many moms in our church who have ever had a bad day, but we are meeting a mom here who's having a bad day. She's a single mom. We have many single moms uh, in our church. And I believe that single mothers are the heroes of the American culture today. So if you're a single mother, kudos to you. Uh, we love you. We're proud of you. If we can do anything more to help you as a church, please let us know. But we meet a single mom here named Hagar um, and her son-to-be who will be named Ishmael. Uh, and we read a really interesting narrative about God caring for mothers. And here's what it says. Now, Sarai, her name will later be changed to Sarah, so we'll just call her Sarah. It's easy, easier. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, his name will be changed to Abraham, so let's call him like we know him. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne born him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go and sleep with my slave. Perhaps uh, we can build a family through her. Now, we read this and we think, what? But this is, I mean, this is, I don't want to say it's normal, it's natural, but this would just be a surrogacy, a surrogacy pregnancy. Uh, we've heard of these. Um, these are not weird. This is somebody who's having fertility problems who says, hey, let's find, let's find a surrogate. Now, the technology wasn't good enough that the man didn't have to sleep with the wife, so a little awkward there, right? But we're going to see a surrogate mother step into this family. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. So Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and she gave her to her husband to be his wife. And he slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abraham, you're responsible for the wrong that I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Verse 6, your slave is in your hands, Abraham said. Do whatever you think is best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. She ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from? Where are you going? And she said, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. 
Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. And the angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you'll give birth to a son and you shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard your misery. He'll be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he'll live in hostility towards all his brothers, but he'll live and you'll live. Verse 13, so she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her there. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Be'er Laharoi, and it is still there between Kadesh and Beret. Now, this is a really interesting deal. In the Old Testament, we often find that God is named by names that represent his character. Uh, like there's a Hebrew word for God uh, that, that is Jehovah Jireh, that means the Lord provides. And we see names given to God, Jehovah Nisi, God's banner is over me when, when God went out to the armies with people. And here we see a, a single mom-to-be who's running away in the desert, who thinks that everything in her life has gone wrong and that no one cares and that God is not in the picture. And she has an encounter with God to the point where she, she names that encounter, she names that place a name to describe what she knows about God. And she names the place Be'er Laharoi. It's a, it's a really cool English name. Uh, it's a really cool Hebrew name in the English language. Be'er Laharoi, which literally means she saw God as this is a God who sees me. You know, as we learn today about the unseen mother, and I challenge you to flip over that bulletin that you have on your lap so you can take a few notes today. And I'm not going to be long today as we talk, but I, I just want to make a few simple points um, for everyone in here today. Because maybe there is a mother in here today like Hagar who came in today wondering and who was wondering this week and who's been wondering all month and who's been wondering all year and maybe wondering for many years or many decades of years, um, does God see me? Does God care? Does anyone know how tough it is? Or moms, if, if, we, can, if we can share your day spiritually today, um, maybe it's not just a mother who has wondered. Maybe it's anyone who has ever wondered if God really cares, or if God knows what's going on in life, or if God knows how you're being treated by family and friend and employers, if, if God is aware of what's going on in your life. Or, or maybe, um, maybe for some of you, you know, I got a note this week reminding me that Mother's Day is one of the most difficult days in the year of a church uh, for many people in the church because there are those who in the past year or the past few years um, have maybe lost a mother. Um, there are some who have lost children, and there are mothers who today's the hardest day of the year for them because of the children they've lost, or kids because of the mothers they've lost. There are a lot of people I'm learning um, who are kind of in a tumultuous relationship with mom, and today you're only reminded that you and your mom are not getting along. Maybe you're a mother, and today's hard for you because you know you're not going to see your kids. Maybe you're a child, and today's hard for you because you know you're not going to see your mom. Um, there, are, uh, there are many in our church who have um, lost children, um, had miscarriages, been pregnant, been excited, and Mother's Day is extremely painful for them. So today's Bible study is really for anyone who in a moment of pain has wondered, like, God, are you there? Today's Bible study is for anyone who's ever had a split in their closest family and friendships, and you find yourself sitting alone wondering, all right, God is like, what's going on here? This is, today is for anyone who's ever lost their job and on the first day of unemployment is sitting in their house wondering, 
what's next, and, and God, are you in this at all? Today is for anyone who's ever been alone, who's ever wondered, what's next, and God, do you care? And in Genesis 16 through 14, we meet a mom named Hagar who learns this fact at her lowest moment, fact number one that I want you to remember today, that she would want us to know, and God has recorded for us, you need to understand this morning, God sees you. God sees you. And you may feel alone, and guess what? Your husband, uh, uh, wives, may not see you. And he may not see what you do. And your kids, mothers, may not see you. And they may not care what you do. Um, and your, uh, your jobs may not see you. And they may not care what you do. And your parents may be off doing their own thing. And your kids may be off doing their own thing. And, and today may be a very lonely day for you, and you're wondering if anyone is alert and if anyone cares. Hagar today wants us to know God sees you. Even if no one else does, today God sees you. That was her experience in verses 13 and 14. If you had your Bible, I want you to look at, look at it again. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. She was blown away that out in the middle of nowhere... God saw her, and she said, I've now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well is called Beer Laha Roy, and it's still there because she had seen it. She had this unbelievable life-changing thought. And, and here was the thought, and I want you to picture her, okay? She, she was an Egyptian slave. When we read the story of Abraham and his wife Sarah, they had experienced drought where they lived, so they kind of crossed over a river, and they went and lived in Egypt for a little while, and they did some things there to get into conflict with a very powerful man in Egypt. And God began to come against that man. So that man told Abraham, what have you done? And Abraham said, I'm sorry, I've been wrong. And the guy took a bunch of his servants, maybe some of his family members, maybe some of his extended family, and paid Abraham off with him and said, take them and go away. So you have here in Hagar an Egyptian slave who's probably been forced into slavery. You have here in Hagar probably a teenage girl who does not speak the language of the man that she's forced to carry a child for. Picture this now. This is not an easy scenario. She is forced into this situation. She gets pregnant. And in celebrating the pregnancy, now she begins to live in conflict with the woman she's going to have the child for who treats her so poorly that she goes to Abraham and says, you can't let her treat me like that. And Abraham does what so many husbands do. He's like, just figure it out. I don't have time for your stuff. So she treats her badly, she runs away, and here she is. The only people she has heard about this God of Abraham from is Abraham and Sarah himself. She doesn't like them, she's been mistreated by them. Nothing in her life would say to her that God's been watching over you. And here she is sitting in the middle of a road by the desert wondering if anyone cares. And all of a sudden God shows up. And God cares. And God says, hey, I, I see what's going on, and, and I'm sorry. And, and we don't have the whole conversation recorded here. I don't know whether they talk for seconds or minutes or hours, but somehow Hagar got the impression that this God who Abraham talks about, though he has not treated me well, I believe his God cares for me. And I believe his God is looking out for me. And I believe his God is, is going to take care of me. Hagar was probably someone who wasn't quite sure whether or not God existed. And this was a big moment for her because all of a sudden she thought, wow, God does exist and he's, he's watching out for me. Now, I don't believe we have very many people in our church like Hagar today. Maybe there's a handful here who don't believe in God. 
and you're here for a son or a daughter or a grandson or a granddaughter, we're glad you're here, and I hope today you have a positive experience of just kind of seeing one way that Christians function and do church. Um, but I think most of us today here, we, we probably both believe in God and we believe that God sees us. We, it would not surprise us to hear that God sees us. What I have said today hasn't touched your heart because you're like, yeah, I get that. I understand there is a God and I understand he knows me and sees my life. Our question isn't whether or not God sees us. Our question is whether or not God cares. That's where most of us fall today. Most of us don't have a, a big question in our mind as to whether or not God is real and whether or not God sees us. Our question is, if God is real and God does see us, why isn't he doing anything? We wonder whether or not he cares. And, but Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, when, when we meet God in the flesh, his name is Jesus. Jesus gives us a really interesting little narrative in Matthew chapter 6 where he said, I both see you and I care and I will take care of you. If you have your Bible, I want you to go to Matthew 6. Because it's, it's a powerful text for those who don't wonder whether or not God is real. Who don't wonder whether or not God sees them. But who wonder whether or not God cares. Who wonder whether or not God will take care of them. Who think, yeah, okay, Christian, I, I get it that God sees me today. But I'm not going to see my mother. Or I get it today, Christian, that God sees me, but I'm not going to see my children. Or I get it today, Christian, that God sees me, but at 3 o'clock I'm going to go to my mother's grave and I'm going to lay flowers like I've, I've done for the past few years. And I'm going to continue to wonder why I don't have the wisest voice that was ever put into my life to help me raise my kids and live my marriage and, and, and live my life. Christian, I get that God sees me, but why isn't he doing more? And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, understand both that God sees you and he cares about you. In verse 25, we start this section that's actually labeled in my Bible. I don't know what it says in yours, but the section is labeled, do not worry. And here Jesus is going to talk to us about not only the fact that he sees us, but that he cares about us and he's going to take care of us. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you're going to wear. is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, I often think about this text in Matthew chapter 6 when I worry about the future and tangible things of the future. And when I worry... Not whether or not God knows, but whether or not God cares and he's going to do anything. And it's interesting because the more I've dwelt on Matthew chapter 6, I'll drive down the road and see a bird and it will just comfort me. Every now and then I'll see a bird flying with a twig in its mouth and I'll be comforted. When, when spring comes and I see flowers popping up and even the dandelions and stuff that are kind of weeds in our grass, when I see how pretty they look, when I drive down, I live in Eagle Creek, and when I drive down Pryor Road and the field on either side of Pryor Road is this beautiful purple and a little further up the road on 150 it's this beautiful yellow I look at that and think okay if that's how much God cares for grass which as soon as the frost comes it's dead I know he's going to take over for me 
And I'm trying to convince myself not only that God sees, but also that God cares. See, the spiritual dilemma that most of us face today on May 12, 2013 is this. We don't, whether or not, we, we don't wonder whether or not God sees us. We wonder whether or not he cares. And see, it's one thing to, to think or to know or to understand or to have been told, hey, God knows your name. Hey, God loves you. Hey, God sees you. Hey, God is overall. It's another thing to realize that along with all that truth, God cares about all the garbage you're going through. And he cares when people treat you poorly. And he cares when your employers don't treat you with integrity. And he cares when your family doesn't treat you with integrity. And he cares when, you know, you, you've, put in, you've been put in a bad place where you've been taken advantage of. I mean, we could list, we could list where Hagar had had life treat her poorly. And to on this day realize that God not only was aware of that, but he cared about it and he was going to help. That was life-changing for her. You see, when you realize a combination of the facts that God sees and God cares, that moment becomes life-shaping. That moment becomes earth-shadowing. Not only that God sees, but God cares. Because when we understand that fact, it's one thing to think God sees us. But when we, when we begin to understand God sees us and God cares, we have the same thing happen to us that happened to Hagar. It allows us not just to understand that God sees us, but it allows us finally to see God for who he really is. And that's the second thing I want to share with you today. As we read about the story of Hagar, we see that it was important to God that Hagar understood that he saw her. But it was important to God that Hagar saw God for who he was. I want you to see verse 13. I have studied and taught through the story of Hagar and Ishmael at least a half dozen times. I've studied it in the English. I've studied it in the Hebrew. I've, I've written papers about it in seminary. And I have never, till I began to prepare this Mother's Day message, read her entire statement that she made and been impacted by it like I was this week. I have known the words Beer Laha Roy. I, I helped convince a girl to get a tattoo in Hebrew of the words Beer Laha Roy because she said, I want a tattoo of something that will remind me that God's close to me. I said, hey, here's a great tattoo. I mean, that's how familiar I am with this story. I have all but tattooed it on someone's rear end. That's a true story. Um, but I've never seen until this week what Hagar said as a result of I understand that God sees me. Look at verse 13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For, she said, I have now seen you. I have now seen the one who sees me. See, Hagar said, my eyes were open to the reality that God is real and God sees me. But that's not really a life-changing reality. I mean, that, that certainly shapes your worldview, that God is real and that he sees you. But to know that he sees you, and he cares about you, and he wants to be involved with you, Hagar said, man, that opens my eyes to a whole new way of life. Genesis 16, 13 could be written this way. She gave the name to the Lord who spoke to her, you're the God who sees me, for she said, it, it could literally say this, for she said, I get it now. Like I get what people who are following Jesus get. I get that not only do they understand that he loves them, but they love him back. Like, I get this is a two-way relationship. My eyes have been open to this fact. You know, if you're taking notes and you want to jot things down, I, I just thought about the emotions of Hagar in Genesis 16 as she's sitting by the road and the angel of the Lord shows up and begins to talk to her. Certainly, Hagar was surprised that God showed up. She didn't expect him to show up. As a matter of fact, the, pe the only people that she knew who worshipped this God, she probably despised. 
So not only did she not want this God to show up, she probably never thought he would show up if, if she believed in him at all. She was probably surprised that God spoke to her. I mean, not only did he show up, but he, he began to dialogue with her. She had to be shocked that God knew who she was. He knew her name. He knew who she worked for. He knew where she had come from. He knew that she was pregnant. He knew what, who her baby was going to be and what type of life he was going to have. And I think most of all, she was surprised that God cared. And she says at the end of this dialogue, now I understand God is real and that God cares about me. Like, I get it. I get that I was meant to have a relationship with this God because of how it would bless my life. You know, I put these things down on paper this week about this woman who was at this spot where there was a well who had an encounter with God and I immediately went to the woman at the well who had an encounter with God in John chapter 4. And I thought, man, this is like the exact same New Testament story of this Old Testament narrative. And in John chapter 4, we're told a story where Jesus was going from one place to another, and he wanted to stop and get a drink, so he went to a town that was known as Samaria, and he sat down by the well, and a woman came out to draw water at the well in John chapter 4. And he spoke to her, and he's like, hey, can I have a drink? And she's like, uh, you know, like, you're a man, I'm a woman, you shouldn't talk to me, plus you're Jewish, I'm Samaritan. Um, like, you shouldn't be speaking to me. And he's like, you know, if you really knew who I was, uh, you wouldn't worry about me asking you for a cup of water. You'd be asking me for a cup of living water um, because I have the capacity to change your life and your eternity forever. Um, and she said, well, how, how are you going to do that? And he said, go get your husband and come back and I'll tell you. And she said, oh, I don't have a husband. And he said, you're right. Actually, you've had five husbands. And the man you live with now is not your husband. Uh, thank you for being semi-honest. Uh, and she said, okay, I can tell there's something unique about you. What, what's going on? And he began to describe to her what God described to Hagar in Genesis chapter 16. Look, I am the Savior of the world, and I love you. And I understand that your life is pretty jacked up. But I can change your life from the inside out, and I can give you an eternity. The thing that you desire most, I can give you if you will live in relationship with me. And here's the statement she made. After having that conversation in John chapter 4, verse 29, she went back to her friends and she said this, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Messiah means savior of the world. That's what that term is translated. She had this encounter with Jesus. She had this encounter with a man who said he was God, who knew her, who cared about her, who, and here's what's interesting, and again, I never saw this until I thought about this statement in John chapter 4, verse 29. I've been meditating on this for two weeks now. Jesus showed up and told her all the garbage in her life, and she went back and told her friends, come see a man who told me everything I did. If I met someone who knew everything that I did, even the wrong things, like I would make sure my friends never met that person. Wouldn't you? I mean, I, like I think about this, and I'm like, she's crazy. Why would she want them to come meet someone who knew everything she did. And I started thinking about this, and I thought, the Bible doesn't say it. But if I step into context here, she had to meet someone who knew everything that she had ever done wrong. But he had to have been so gentle with her. And he had to have been so non-judgmental with her. And he had to have such an attitude of, listen, I, I know you did all that stuff, but it really doesn't matter anymore. To, like today you can start bringing like he he had to have been so much kinder to her than christians are to people who are not christians now like 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 i step into this story and it's first time i thought 
she went back and told them, I met a man who, who knows everything that I did. You have to come and meet him. I thought if I had someone here who knew everything I did, literally I would never let him around anyone who ever went to our church because y'all would probably never want to come again. But Jesus was different. And I thought, man, she wanted this guy who was so gentle and tender, so forgiving, so loving of her to meet her friends because she knew the value that he added to her life, she, she wanted added to theirs as well. And see, what he was saying to her, what he majored on was not, I know what you've done wrong, but he majored on this, I know what you want in life. I, I know you don't want the same old life. I know you don't want the same old day after day coming to this well at the middle of the day all by yourself because you have no friends and your family has imploded and probably the work's not going well. I know you desire more than you have in this life. I know you desire more than this life and I can give it to you. And she had to hear that and think, everyone needs to hear this. Because what this guy needs, like if God, if this man is God and he sees me, and I have seen who he really is, like I, I want this. And really, ev everyone needs this. And I thought, man, if, if there are people here today who have maybe seen a version of God, but it's not the version of God in Genesis 16 or John chapter 4, there's probably no way you'd ever want to step into a relationship with God. But if God is like Genesis 16, and if, and if Jesus is like John chapter 4, I want to be close to that man. You know, this Tuesday afternoon, this past Tuesday afternoon, I met with a group of eight pastors from all over Kansas City. Um, and there's an older pastor in the city uh, whose name is Dan Sutherland. He's a pastor at Westside Family Church in Lenox, and he started mentoring some of us young pastors. He's, he's a good good man. Some of you used to go to church there and, and know him well. Um, and this, these churches, Dan's particular, they did a series a few years ago at their church where they decided they were going to stop calling themselves Christians um, because the world doesn't like Christians. And he said, you know, the world hears you're a Christian and they immediately think of a Christian they don't like and they turn you off. So he said, we have begun to, we, we say when someone asks you kind of spiritually where you are, he said, just say you're a Christ follower or you're a Jesus follower. Because most people don't have problems with Jesus. They have problems with Christians. And by the way, my name is Christian. I, the name Christian means follower of Christ. We have a lot of people who call ourselves Christians who are really not followers of Jesus. And I thought, you know what? If we could spend less time trying to make people Christians, whatever that means, and we could spend more time helping people follow Jesus, like the one we meet in Genesis 16 and John 4, man, I think people could radically have their life change with no shame, with no fear, just to, like, I would like to follow that guy if this is who he is. Yeah, it's interesting, in John chapter 4, verses 39 through 42, after she went back and told the townspeople, like, you got to meet this guy. After spending two days with Jesus, here, here was their testimony. It said, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus, because of the woman's testimony, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. You see, they had the exact same encounter that Hagar had. At some point, they had an encounter with God where the world stopped. And not only did they realize that God saw them, but for the first time, they saw God. 
they saw the value that God could bring to their life. They saw the eternity that God could secure in their life. They saw the forgiveness and the willingness to start over that God allowed in their life. And at some point they said, seeing that, I want that. And folks, this is why our church exists. Our church exists so that people will have Jesus encounters. So that people will meet the Savior of the world, have a conversation with him that they never intended having, and walk away thinking, I want that. I need that. That will make me better. That will give me eternal life. And Jesus may not be like many Christians that I've met, but if this is who Jesus is, I want to be like him. And it's really interesting to do because if you're a Jesus follower, one of the reasons you now exist should be to introduce people to Jesus so that they can make their own decision. It's interesting that in John chapter 4, verse 29, the first thing that this lady did when she met Jesus is she went and said, you have to meet this guy I met. He's unbelievable. And it says some believe because of what she said, but as more experienced it, it was like, wow, now we believe for ourselves. And I guess the truth of Mother's Day today and the truth of anyone here who has ever felt lonely and wondered if God sees and if God cares and if that reality can radically shape your life, the reality is this. God has maybe has you here today so that you can understand that the pathway from you to him is cleared. And there's no obstacles. And it's wide open. Or maybe God has you here today so that you can find someone who, who needs God like Hagar needed God. Or needs God like the woman at the well needed God. And you can figure out how to remove the religious clutter from their life so they can see Jesus for who he really is. You see, our job sometimes is just to clear the path in case people want to come. You know, when, uh, when I was growing up, I was a scared little kid. Uh, and I tell people now, now I'm a scared grown man. Like, I, you know, I, I still am um, like deathly afraid of snakes of all sizes and lightning and tornadoes. And, um, you know, if I'm all by myself in the house, I might keep one light on. You know, I'm not saying I'm afraid of the dark, but, I, you know, I may be more comfortable when it's not totally dark. You know, I just, I've got a lot of fears. Um, and I would never stay all night at anyone's house. I would go over till about 10.30 or midnight, and then I would get a stomach ache, and my dad would have to come pick me up. Like, every time, I, I would not stay all night at someone's house. And my son has, has, somehow, I have passed those fears into the DNA of my son. And he is me. And for years, like, just up until the last few years, probably up until we moved to Lee Summit, um, and as he got bigger and bigger, got more and more annoying, um, Danielle and I would wake up and he'd be in our bed every morning. We'd put him to bed in his bed and then we would wake up in the middle of the night and he would be in our bed and we'd carry him back to his bed and then we'd wake up in the morning and he would be in our bed. And it was just something that spooked him, something that freaked him out and he was continually on his way to our room every night. And for years, every night I would put Christian to bed and I would sit on the edge of his bed and I would pray with him. And I'd say, now Christian... Don't come to mom and dad's bed tonight. Everything is okay. We're right down the hallway. We don't want you to sleep in our bed tonight. You're getting too big. It's, it's too uncomfortable. Um, so you just stay in your bed. If you wake up, you just take a deep breath, say a prayer, go back to bed. Christian, do not come to mom and dad's bedroom. Do you understand? Do not get out of bed and come to mom and dad's bedroom. Yeah, dad, I, I understand. And I would lay there until he fell asleep. And then after telling him for 10 minutes, for months and months and months, not to come, I would very carefully walk from his room to ours and make sure that everything was out of the way because I knew he's probably going to come 
And I didn't want him tripping on anything and getting hurt on the way there. Our job as Christians in our world today is to figure out some people who need Jesus in their life and to go ahead and walk that path of what it would look like from them to get to where they are to hearing about Jesus and to just remove the clutter so that they don't stumble as they walk the path to find out who God the Father is in their life. That's our job. And today, if you don't know God, and you've never, you've never seen God, which, which has allowed you to put your faith in Him, man, I'm praying and hoping that today maybe someone has cleared a path for you to sit in this room, to hear this passage, to be here on Mother's Day. Maybe God cleared a path for you today to climb into bed with God the Father and say, God, I'm going to give you my life because the status quo, I've always known there has to be something more. And if this is it, then it's for me and I want to follow you and live for you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name today. And God, with every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord, we are, uh, we're grateful to be here. We're thankful for mothers. We're thankful for grandmothers today. Lord, we hurt with those who hurt today, who are separated from family or who have lost family that makes today a difficult day. But God, the next steps of today's message are, are very simple. The response has to be one of two things for those of us who are in the room today. Lord, response number one, if, if our life has been lived up to this point not knowing God, then God, my, my prayer is that the response of our people today will be to know God will be to see God for who he is and to realize he sees them, he cares about them, he loves them. He's not standing in judgment of them, but he's opening his arms in love to them. And God, he wants to give them in life what they could not achieve on their own. Forgiveness, inner peace, eternal life, direction, purpose that can only come from you. So God, I pray for the men and the women in the room who need to do that today. And then, God, I pray for those of us who know you, who have had an encounter on a road to somewhere that has allowed us to see who you are. But, God, we've not existed with a passion to help others have a pathway cleared so they can know who you are. And, God, I pray today that we would be loving friends to begin to see someone's pathway to God and that we would clear that without even telling them we would clear it knowing that when they decide to walk it, there will be no obstacles that they would stumble over so that they can get close to God their Father. God, we love you today and we need you today. Would you move on people's hearts today, God, as to the direction of what spiritual decision you would want them to make? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I, I just ask you with no one looking around, what is the next spiritual step you need to take today? Maybe you're here today, and today is your Hagar encounter. Maybe you're here today, and today is your John 4 encounter. Today you have, for the first time, realized that God sees you, that he cares for you, that's allowed you to see him in a totally different way, a way that's attractive to you, in a way that makes you want to place your faith in him and follow him. If that's you today, and you've never put your faith in God. Our church exists to see people who are not close to God become close to God. If you're here today, you can do that by just following your heart. And I'll give you a simple prayer to say, but really it's following your heart and what God is doing in your spirit with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's your heart and that's your spirit today, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And you don't have to pray it out loud. You just pray it in your heart. Nobody's going to hear you. 
But today, if God is drawing you in your chair where you are, saying, hey, I see you, I got you. It's going to be okay. We'll figure this out. I love you. Don't worry about the past. We'll, we'll get past that. Then I want you to pray these words just in the quietness of your soul. God, today I see you. And the reality that you see me and that you care for me and that you want to bring value to my life and eternal life to my future. God, that's something I desire inside. And today by faith, I accept your offer to be my friend. I pray that you would forgive me of the things in my past that I wouldn't want everyone to know about, but I know you know about. I pray that you'd cleanse me from all the times I was in direct or in re indirect rebellion to what you said was the right thing to do. And I just pray that you would gently lead me to where you want me to be spiritually and one day to your side in heaven. I admit that I know I can't make it on my own, but I'm willing to accept Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior, as my Master, so that He can help me know how that works. Save me and change me today, Lord. I want to become a follower of Jesus. Now with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, today if you are a follower of Jesus, we've talked about how important that is carry that label the last few weeks at our church. I wonder if maybe you would just pray for someone right now in your own life. You don't have to pray out loud, but just think of maybe one person in your life that doesn't know Jesus, doesn't follow Jesus. Think about the positive impact Jesus could have on their life and future and eternity. And would you just kind of whisper a prayer for them right now? Maybe it's your mom or mom, maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a co-worker, but would you just think of like maybe one person and just say, God, um, Help me clear the path for them so that they might know who you are. Let my life be an example of what a Jesus follower looks like. And God, help others get close to God the Father because of my life. And if there's a specific name, just in your heart, just say that name. God, this is the person I, I, I'm aware of. I want you to help me influence. God, we love you, and we need you, we're thankful for what you've taught us here today, uh, which has been a lot through Genesis chapter 16. And God, I pray that, uh, I pray you'll help us to see birds differently. I pray that seeing a bird flying will help us to quit worrying so much. I pray that seeing weeds that look like flowers in a field will help us to quit worrying so much. And I pray that for the rest of our life, you'll put things in our life that help us to, to see that not only do you see us, but that you care. And you're going to help. And God, let that transformation in our life become real to others as well. We love you. We see things in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen.